0: Hey everybody welcome to trek in time the podcast that takes a look at star trek in order and in history. What we're doing is taking a look at each episode of star trek in chronological order and we're also taking a look at how things were in the world at the time of the original broadcast. Now you're wondering whose eyes are doing this looking and whose mouths are doing this talking. It's me Sean Farrell I'm a writer I write some sci-fi I write books for kids as well and with me is my brother Matthew. He's the guru and inquisitor behind the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives. How you doing, Matt? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. In preparation for the end of this year, the year of our Lord 2021, <laughs> may it rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> we will be taking a break next week. So, this is our last episode of this year. And after the break, we'll return in the first week of January 2022, hopefully with an episode. Spoiler alert, hopefully with an episode that's better than this one.
1: Oh, oh,
0: yeah. It's quick I take a shot behind did the not curtain. like
1: this episode.
0: Quick look behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be talking about A Night in Sick Bay. This is from Star Trek Enterprise, season two, episode five and before we get into that Matt do you have some things you want to share from our previous episodes. Sure from the episode dead stop
1: there was a a comment from animaniac as so often in trek it's always funny to how reality made some trek concepts and tech nearly obsolete already with the computing power of 2021 cell phones in mind no engineer of the 23rd century would assume that this station needs a huge (laughs) computer and the thought of a human brain being superior to computers is also something that doesn't hold up projecting technology even fifty years into the future. Also funny to see Archer watching water polo on his small LCD screen in some episodes. Yeah I love this because I agree completely. There's aspects of the tech that are so dated that it's like it makes the show look really old and antiquated. But one thing I will bring out, somebody actually tweeted at me this week that <laughs> researchers have discovered that human brain cells that are integrated in basically like a little cyborg petri dish are better at learning than computers are than artificial intelligence and mm-hmm. they ha- they taught these brain cells <laughs> how to play pong <laughs> and it learned how to play pong fat much faster than the AI did. But the AI at the end was actually better at playing pong than the human brain cells and when I saw this article it both amazed. And horrified me because I thought, here comes the Borg. <laughs>
0: here comes the Borg. Yes.
1: <laughs> so there was that. Yeah.
0: So the Borg in this context would would say something along the lines of you will learn to return serve. <laughs>
1: exactly. Hit the ball. The other comment was from Mako. This episode has everything that makes Star Trek great exploration, mystery, science, and a sense of uh, perseverance in the face of danger. The acting by John Bellingsley is fantastic. You can see the subtleties even through the prosthetics, and I wanted to bring that one up because I always want more Doctor. I don't care yeah. what the episode is, more Doctor, please. He is my favorite character on the show. He's his acting is always amazing. He has such subtlety to his performance that just through his eyes you can tell exactly what he's wrestling with and struggling with. So he, he he's a very empathetic character. You can really kind of go along with him with whatever's going on, and he's he's I agree with funny. That. He's really yeah. funny.
0: I agree with all of that and I I think that all of that is on display in this episode that we're yes. about to talk about. Yeah. As I mentioned this episode is a night in sick bay Matt do you want to give us the synopsis? <laughs> this is a synopsis that was not available on Wikipedia so I wrote this one myself Matt go okay. ahead. Okay. So
1: remember everybody Sean is an, a published author who has written science fiction novels so from his pen Archer is dumb and as a result his dog almost dies.
0: I tried to keep it I tried to keep it succinct.
1: yes, I, <laughs> I I don't know if that's how I would have written it, but I trust you because you're the published author
0: <laughs> So uh, this episode was written by Berman and Braga, and I think I have noticed a trend that when Berman and Braga are closely aligned with the writing of an episode, the episode tends not to be as strong as those around it. yes. Uh, It's unfortunate because here we are at the end of a 4 episode cycle the last 2 episodes in particular really being extremely strong and tied into each other in a way that almost makes it a 2 parter with but crafted in a way that didn't require 2 parter viewing and with elements that allowed character development to really shine in the midst of very compelling and exciting plot and I for myself found this episode to be like somebody pulling the handbrake on a fast moving vehicle. Yeah. Ironically when this aired on October 16th 2002 it earned the highest viewership of any of the episodes in the second season. I think this is born of the fact that there were 2 good episodes preceding it word of mouth was maybe going around of hey enterprise is hitting its stride. Unfortunately this is maybe where people tuned in to say like I'll give that show another chance and I'm sorry but I just have a difficult time with what seems like should have been the C plot in any other episode mm-hmm. becoming the only plot in the entire episode. Mm-hmm. I struggled with that. So here we are October 16th 2002. What kind of world were we wading into well when it comes to dancing Matt you were still dancing to dilemma the Kelly Noland Kelly Rowland Nelly combo and we were tuning in on TV to CSI again with 30 million viewers total so a little bit more than the 6 million viewers who tuned in for this episode of enterprise and at the theaters we were still going to red dragon for the second week in a row and in the New York Times I was a little surprised and disheartened to realize that I had forgotten about this story from the news in 2002 Mm -hmm. which I remembered as soon as I read this headline I had flashbacks to how this event reverberated for a number of weeks and really created a lot of fear in people the headline being sniper left clues this time and police report progress in inquiry. This time the roving sniper left more clues with a number of witnesses getting a better more chilling glimpse of him and his getaway van as they looked beyond his latest victim on the floor of a parking garage. Law enforcement officials working on the sweeping manhunt for the sniper marked qualified progress today as they investigated the killing of a 47 year old woman, his 11th victim here on Monday night. And as soon as I read that I immediately thought I can't believe that I had forgotten about the DC sniper attacks. These were attacks that were taking place in 2002 in October of 2002. The DC sniper attacks and this is all from wikipedia now this is not from the New York Times article the DC sniper attacks also known as the beltway sniper attacks were a series of coordinated shootings that occurred during 3 weeks in October 2002 in the district of Columbia Maryland and Virginia. 10 people were killed and 3 others were critically wounded in Baltimore Washington and along interstate 95 in Virginia. The snipers were John Allen Muhammad 41 at the time and Lee Boyd Malvo. 17 at the time, who traveled in a blue 1990 Chevrolet Capri sedan. Their crime spree, which began in February of 2002, included murders and robberies in the states of Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, and Washington, D.C., and resulted in seven deaths, seven wounded. In 10 months, the snipers killed 17 people and wounded 10 others. So, this was a case of not only was it a sniper attack, It was a case of effectively brainwashing, where the older man had convinced this younger boy, this child, really, that the attacks that they were conducting were the right thing to do. And the upshot of all of this is when the two of them were caught, John Allen Muhammad was sentenced to death. He was in fact killed through lethal injection sometime, I believe, it was around 2008. Hmm. And the younger. Sniper Lee Boyd Malvo was tried and convicted with multiple life sentences and then went through a series of retrials basically with the argument being that he was effectively a victim of John Allen Muhammad and his ultimate the decision that was made by a court for him was to remove the earlier sentences and sentence him to less of a sentence he was effectively given I believe it was 20 years total which means that his sentencing may end up he may come up for parole sometime in the not too distant future. It really raises issues around treating a child as an adult in cases of egregious crime and looking at questions of responsibility in the instance of a child who's under the sway of an adult. So very sobering headline from October of 2002 when this episode aired this episode is clearly from my earlier statements about my response to it calling it the C plot in any well, other episode. It's a much more lighthearted hearted episode than the news story that we just talked about so it's going to be a little bit of a shifting of gears now but before we get into the details just big picture I've given people my big picture thoughts on this Matt where did you fall on this episode.
1: I am definitely kinder on this episode than you are clearly I remember when when I started watching this episode my first reaction was oh this episode because I remember watching it when it was originally aired and hating it like my reaction from the first airing was your reaction me rewatching it now. I've seen it before over the years but it's like rewatching it now with more of a critical eye I actually didn't dislike it. I thought it was a very charming story but a boy and his dog I thought it was very I thought it was a nice charming story because it pulled out so much of the doctor like we just talked about before or doctor please I want more doctor and this was a fun take kind of almost a day in the life of the doctor to see how he lives and so I enjoyed the character development where I do agree with you though is it does feel like a b plot and not an a plot and it does feel like the handbrake was slammed on after the past 2 episodes because those were back to back action and like high production qualities and then here was a ship in the bottle episode which you pretty much can always sense is going to be coming after they have a few big episodes with lots of special effects and action sequences you you know a a ship in the bottle episode is going to come because they have to save money. (laughs) Yeah. So you know it's coming but this one felt extra slow and polar opposite from the past 2. So I think there is a pacing issue and it's not that this episode was necessarily a bad episode. I think the placement of where this fell into the season may have been a bad choice to put it right at the end of those 2 big action sequences Yeah, but at the same time just like the doctor I love me some porthos porthos is an adorable little dog and he's a scene stealer every time he's on the camera and it was just fun to see a little more porthos get a little uh porthos action in there get a even though it was you know a, a, or a, in Yeah. 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 An animatronic dog at some points in the f- episode but which by the way I would I have thought paid was pre- good
0: money for it to be an animatronic dog. This was just a stuffed toy I know but it but for <laughs> yes
1: but for what it was in that vat of liquid it was it was sufficient. It's like they didn't have to do anything too crazy.
0: Oh so was, I have no problems with them using a stunt toy yeah. for the vat. There was a stunt toy used in some of the scenes where he's just lying on his side because clearly the actor dog wouldn't hold still. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the detail. That's the detail that's, that's causing the problem. Yeah. So we're going to take a slightly different track than we have in previous episodes. We're going to try something new here. We're not going to go through a point by point plot recap. We're going to kind of try and encapsulate all of that into one big sweeping summary, which is it's the return of the Cretasans. These are the alien race that, in a previous episode, it was revealed that they were incredibly offended to have seen humans eating in front of them, which they thought was an incredibly private act. So, this episode starts with the Enterprise has been to the planet Cretessa in an attempt to build a bridge again and the away team which has been made up of captain archer commander de paul and sensato and porthos That's right. has been on the planet for 5 days trying to reopen friendly conversation with the cretaceans and the episode opens with them storming around the ship with archer complaining that they don't know what they did this time. But the Cretaceans have effectively kicked them off the planet and, it, and in the decon
1: chamber porthos was the doctor said porthos yes. has some kind of pathogen he has to stay with me he, he needs he needs to look into it more. So, poor little so porthos the next is, layer of the story then sick.
0: is porthos becomes ill porthos ends up his immune system is collapsing and it becomes a story of as Matt pointed out a day in the life. It's this is effectively around the doctor what data's day was in the next generation episode. Here's where I have a problem Matt as you've brought up the idea of it being a day in the life data's day is about data and in doing so it remains focused on data. Yes this is about flocks, but it stays focused on Archer. No, I would it would be more interesting. It would be more interesting if it was about the doctor
1: I agree with you there. It's like it's not about the doctor. It's about Archer and it's about him growing as a diplomat and coming to terms with his character growth. It's about him. The problem is they spent so much time with the doctor the doctor actually steals the focus and the scenes that he's in with archer. So archers plot sometimes takes a back seat and that's the fault of the writing where it's like if it was going to be about archer, it should have been with archer and then flocks would have been a B character. But the fact that they spent so much time with flocks, it created this weird disconnect and dissonance between the two lines. And it's like, well, I'm actually enjoying the flock stuff more than the archer stuff. And it's like, we wanted probably for it to be but, a day of a day of flocks not a day of archer because yes. they they split the
0: difference and it was a more interesting story for him the positive things we get to see in this episode the things i did enjoy again like matthew has been saying uh anything around flocks is interesting and compelling and fun we get to see him clipping his toenails
1: i love that scene
0: we get to see him chasing a bat around the room we get to see him use archer for help in trying to capture the bat using effectively a giant origami bird that he constructs on the end of what looks like (laughs) a mop handle and then imitating the call of this bird in an attempt to scare the bat out of its hiding space. We get to see him feeding all of his little creatures that he has in various cages around sick bay including something gets fed his toenails. I love that. So (laughs) we see him in one of the most disgusting sequences that enterprise has ever shared with us. We get to see him scraping his tongue which looks like it is about a foot and a half long hanging out of his mouth. All of these things are more interesting and I and I go back to something Matt said about the difficulty is that it's it's supposed to be focused on Archer and his character development. However, Archer in this is depicted as a petulant teen. I have difficulty with the starting point of Archer being he is angry at the Cretaceans for their inability to recognize that there is something on their planet that will be toxic to a dog. The number of problems I have with him taking his dog on this away mission, including first off, why would you do that? Why would you go to a planet where you are going in an attempt to rekindle diplomatic standing? With people who you've already had an incredibly difficult time with because they found eating to be offensive. So now you're going to take a small pet with you that is going to be eating and defecating the way the animals do. So he takes this animal with him to this planet where the people have already demonstrated less than flexible thinking around personal behavior. His animal then gets sick. As a result of a pathogen that nobody was aware of prior to this, why would the Cretaceans know about a pathogen and its impact on a dog from another planet? Why would they be able to? How would they know that this would be a problem? And then for him to become upset with them for the illness of his dog when he's the one who chose to take the dog with him?
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. There's a problem there, but they did have that conversation where it's like they sent the genome of all of the away team, including the dog, and that they the crustaceans were supposed to like do a check against all the pathogens. That I, I understand, know, all, that. I understand but, but all of that. I understand all of that. But here's, but here's, I
0: have a but, problem even with the idea of wanting to take the dog in the first place. The <laughs> I know. dog has I don't, no place don't on don't the way team. I
1: don't. I don't disagree with you. The dog shouldn't be aboard the ship. Period. But the whole, the whole thing of I think what they were trying to do, and this is why I'm a little kinder on this, is they were setting Archer by the end of the series becomes known as a gr- good diplomat. He's he's been able to pull all these different races together to help fa- found the found the the federation. So he's got to be a good diplomat. We're seeing him when he's not a good diplomat. He's learning. And part of the reason I think what they were doing in the show to have all those moments with the doctor, it was this because he's irrational because of his love for his dog and he's acting irrational. Here's the doctor where he's being reminded of humans are not the center of the universe. There's a different point of view among all of the people that are out in the outer space and here's the doctor who's scraping his tongue. He's clipping his toenails. He's fitting it to his pets. He's he's very alien and so all of these scenes with the doctor are every one of them archer every scene has this reaction of like oh god that's gross or what is happening in every single scene and it's it's that reminder again and again to the archer that he's got to grow over the course of the episode. So here's the constant reminder of humans aren't at the center of the universe. My point of view is not necessarily the right point of view. Here's somebody that I respect and admire and he's very different from me. He's got a different view on things and it's that reminder through this entire thing that helps him grow as a diplomat. So I think that's what they were trying to do. Did they execute on that super well? No, they dropped the ball in a bunch of ways. Porthos didn't have to be the instigator but I think it was the easy path for them because of the bond between archer and this dog that shouldn't be on the ship in the first place. He loves this dog and so you put the dog in jeopardy and then you can have archer act more rational than normal because a loved one is about to die. So it's like I can see why they did it but it was I can see why it irritates you but it just did it didn't get hit me wrong it actually hit me in a way of like okay I see why they're doing this they're trying to make him evolve as a character and as a diplomat because you have to start somewhere we have to show him not being good at this I think it's better
0: yeah I think it's interesting because it seems very much like you are seeing the exact same things I'm seeing Yes, but you're willing to swallow them yes. because of big picture thinking whereas I'm talking about the nitty gritty aspects of this episode I understand everything you're describing I agree you need to have archer. Demonstrate a sort of narcissistic human viewpoint before he can grow into the diplomat that we know that he needs to be in order to achieve what will become the federation. But
1: that's However, what that's, no, but his that's precisely dog, why. his that's dog persi-
0: being, yeah. his dog being on the away team, I can't get past that hurdle. His dog could be in danger, yeah. in some other fashion that makes a lot more sense, and you'd end up with the same episode. You could end up with all the same beats that you're talking about him worried about his dog him dealing with the difference of different people. Every if this had been a circumstance of (coughs) his dog is ill as a result of let's say he was given a gift by the cretacins and it comes back and it turns out to be toxic right now he's dealing with a how did they not think to test whether this would be a problem for it to be brought aboard our ship. It could have made humans ill. It's potentially going to kill my dog. I can't believe they were that insensitive. They complained we were insensitive and then they go and do something like this. Right. And you could have then all the same conversations with DePaul and with flocks and everything where he's distracted by the fact his dog is sick and DePaul could be saying you have a job to do. You could have all those same beats I have a difficult time with what feels not just like lazy writing but just bad writing well here's which is which is what I keep tripping up on.
1: Yeah, like like I said in the beginning the first time I saw this episode when it was originally aired my reaction is mimicking yours the one that you're having right now. I did not like that episode at all for these exact reasons. I think part of the reason why I'm more forgiving of it now I've seen this series numerous times. I know where this ends up and so looking at it with a critical eye now. It's like I'm I'm I can't divorce the fact that I know where archers supposed to be going and so it's like I see what they were trying to execute and I think they did not a great job. Like if I was going to give this a letter grade I'd probably give this episode a C. It's like it was not a fail for me. It wasn't a runaway hit but it was kind of a C. It was like okay there's aspects of this that I think are good and there are aspects I think are bad but as a whole I like what they were trying to do with the character development around Archer around flocks and I thought that was interesting. That's part of why I think it didn't hit me in the same way. It's hitting you. It's like I think the instigation for the whole plot of how the dog got sick (laughs) is. Setting you off in a way it didn't set me off, and I think that's how why we separated in our time. I
0: think I think you you're you're saying that you've seen the series multiple times in the time since 2002. I haven't. I haven't seen it. This is my first rewatch since 2002. I have. I wrestle with the entire idea of taking you know Porthos down to the planet. There is a arguably there's a B plot. Not really. There's a B plot in here, which is the Cretaceans are offended again. It turns out that Porthos urinates on a sacred tree. There is an immediate reaction on Archer's part to basically blame the victim and say, So what? The dog peed on the tree. Dogs pee on trees. It's bad writing. It is just bad writing. This episode also includes I'm not sure if it's Berman and Braga. Somebody there likes to see the crew in the decon chamber. <laughs> so not only do we get the decon chamber scene, we, we get a dream, dream sequence, which includes armchair psychologist writing around flocks saying to Archer, I think the reason you're frustrated is because you're sexually frustrated. Okay, so this is where this element, this, is this element is completely out of nowhere, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. Yep. and it makes zero sense. I think you're sexually frustrated and you're attracted to Paul and you can't act on that. So then we end up with a dream sequence back in the decon chamber where now even the small underwear comes off. This is just bad writing like and I understand again to go back to what you said I get what you're saying about big picture. You can hit all those big picture moments you can have an episode showing him as a bad diplomat at the beginning and learning to to recognize oh I'm not the center of the universe humans aren't the center of the story you can have that story without what are arguably just bad moments of yes. writing.
1: I I will not. And argue, then on top of that, then you end on, up with. On. I will not argue the dream sequence at all. That whole thing with the sexual tension should not have been in this episode. Period. It was. Yes. It was a. It was a what the what <laughs> moment when that whole plot line started. It was like you got to be kidding.
0: For me, some of the best moments in this episode take place in conversation. Yeah, yeah. and there's. Flox discussing his family structure I think is a great moment where Flox yeah. is talking about his relationship to his wives his wives relationship to their multiple husbands how many children there are in the mix. We discover that Flox's family he is older than he looks and his children are actually old enough to be adults themselves and he describes he's got some children who are working in the sciences similar to him and he has also a child who is i believe he says he still lives with his mother but he's an artisan and he makes pottery that is beautiful so it's this mixture of generational relationships and family relationships that are very different from a what we would consider the standard expectation of a of a human relationship a human pairing that all seems very interesting and it's well acted and there are moments where they're touching upon each other. There is a nice moment where archer is basically telling flocks you don't understand humans. He gets very upset with flocks about the fact that flocks seems to be moving forward with a procedure which he's literally making up on the fly. He's going to take a pituitary gland out of a reptile and put it into porthos and when archer hears about this his response is holy cow you got to slow down. I haven't even said I want that done but he does it in a way that basically hauls flocks out and says like you don't have empathy you don't care and flocks pushes back gently but pushes back and gives him the time to to consider what he wants to do for his for his dog. There are moments like that that I think are well rendered. It's just mm-hmm. when you have it sandwiched between things that feel clumsy at best yes. okay. or in bad taste at worst this entire episode becomes strained. There are also some things that don't really seem to fit and you talk about like character development. There's an element in this where Archer is competing with Tapal on yep. a on an exercise machine. I don't understand how that fits big picture at all. Like that yes. that's showing a yes. side of comp- competition from him toward her and in her in the midst of
1: uh, and her She's and her and him. it just
0: seems yeah. like it just seems like what is this supposed to be? Why are we it's like for, why for are me, we the, seeing the, this. For me the
1: entire Tapal plot line shouldn't have been in there. It was it was poorly rendered I agree with you on that. It's part of the reason why I give this episode a C because there's hits and misses but big picture I think it's it's okay. Going back to the doctor. It's like this should have been you remember that episode a while ago that was where he was doing. The, it was all about the doctor and him writing those pen pal letters to the other doctor. Yeah, This episode would have been better if it was like that again, if it yes. had been you could have the exact same in plot instigation that drove you nuts. It could still be the porthos stuff on the planet. It could still be the the archer sleeping in the sick bay and overreacting to everything. But if it was all from the perspective of the doctor it would have been far more interesting because that's one that's where star trek gets really good because like you're talking about like Spock from the original series you're talking about data from next generation. You always have these m- main characters that can basically look at humanity from the outside and comment on our our human nature and if right. they had had the doctor doing that he could have been commenting on archer's reaction to his dog being sick how he was handling the diplomacy. It's like you could have had this outsider look in yes. in a more clear linear fashion you wouldn't need the whole Tapal plotline at all, the whole sexual tension stuff, and you know that's what's only there to sex it up. It's like they probably had executives at the, you know, the channel saying to them, "You have to sex it up and get more sex in there," and so they were probably yeah. dro- dropping this in there because they had to, not because they necessarily wanted to. So, including
0: a very yeah. strange ending to it all with Tapal literally bringing it up to Archer of like, "Oh, there's a lot of sexual tension here, but we can never do anything about it." and it was just like what what's going on here. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said about if this had been told from flox's point of view which is what I wanted as well I would have preferred it Mm -hmm. being told from his point of view. You could have then also had archer be a better captain in the episode. This episode revolves far too much around basically archer being a terrible leader and making bad decisions throughout until he realizes at the very end that he needs to be compassionate toward other people. It's it just it's too clumsy in getting there and if it had been from the perspective of flocks commenting flocks could have been commenting about I'm amazed at humanity's ability to multitask in the form of he's extremely concerned about his dog. He's also working very hard to try and figure out what the Cretaceans are upset about. It could have reflected archers good decision making around all of this and still incorporated some of the elements around. Archer making decisions about porthos not about the mission in general but about porthos that the doctor realizes oh we're having some conflict here Mm -hmm. that could have been for me would have made this a stronger episode overall and then like Matt just said pull the Tapal stuff out entirely. We don't need to see the captain saying like, gosh, am I really horny for my first officer? (laughs) Overall Matt has said he would give this a C I would put this in D territory. And the only thing that keeps it in D territory as opposed to being lower are the writing around flox's personal life and his depiction within sick bay and the moments within sick bay at night the the overall it's not played up for comedy but it is funny mm-hmm. him pursuing the bad him and archer collectively trying to catch this thing there is a charm to those that i that i enjoyed but for me the bad missteps of the setup and just again bad decision making about who you take on your away team don't take your dog stop taking the dog dog shouldn't be on the ship don't take him to the planets And when somebody gets upset that your dog peed on their tree your response can't be hey fella dogs Dogs pee pee on on trees trees. (laughs) get over it. (laughs) But I'm curious listeners viewers what did you think. Are you with Matt you looked at this and you said I get what they're going for a big picture and that's fine with me or are you more in my camp where you look at this and say they should have scratched this episode and moved on to the next one there are other ways to convey that archer has to grow as a diplomat. Let us know what you think you can find the contact information in the podcast notes. You can also on youtube just scroll directly below the video and leave a comment there Matt before we sign off is there anything you'd like to remind our listeners about that you have going on what's going on on your other channel.
1: Well, there's just a lot of interesting topics coming up on undecided just (laughs) almost too many to talk about. There's episodes coming up on tiny houses which I'm really looking forward to as a possible sustainable way to live. I myself could never live in one but it's still interesting. <laughs> so right. uh, stuff like that. So stay tuned to undecided
0: as for me you can check out my website. Seanferrell.com you can find out information there about my writing and I appreciate your checking it out. If you go looking for my books they are available at bookstores everywhere or your public library. So reminder you can visit TrekIntime.show and you can directly support the podcast there. If anybody has any comments or corrections please do reach out. If it turns out that that wasn't flox's tongue that he was scraping let me know I don't know I made an no. assumption
1: I don't want to know what that was if it wasn't
0: <laughs> please do remember to subscribe to like the episode and to share it widely with your friends and strangers and remember humans are not the center of the universe. Come back next time and thanks so much for listening everybody. We'll talk to you later.